0: All right. I'm here with uh Enomican Sue. I said it right, right? I yes. worked hard. I've worked for years to say this right. <laughs> Coming live to you from uh, a closet, it looks like in uh in Oregon, right?
1: Yes, my little hideaway office near my closet.
0: Well, how you, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How are you? Long I'm time no good. see.
0: Yeah, you look good. You look like fit, as <laughs> I I guess you have to.
1: Yes, <laughs> it's, it's it's been tough to stay fit, but I, I definitely have been. All right. So for the
0: for anybody out there who's uh, lived under a rock and doesn't watch national football for the last uh, you know however number 2010 you were drafted. What Yeah,
1: 2010. Yeah.
0: 2010 defensive tackle. Um, we've known each other for a bunch of years now uh, because you were with the Dolphins for a period of time, and just uh, but more importantly than that, I just have admired your work ethic, which is legendary uh, on and off the field. And I want to have you on today because I think you're the perfect illustration of what I call the manifestor, which you're probably wondering is a completely made up word. <laughs> but for me, it's somebody who has really strong vision about how they want their life to play out or something that they believe needs to be created, but mm-hmm. also has those resources inside them and around them to be able to make that come. Most people or a lot of people have one but not the other, right? They have a vision and they're up yeah. at in the morning with a great idea and then they can't get out of their own way. Or there's yep. somebody who can take somebody else's vision and execute it, uh, but very few people can marry those two together. So the purpose of these talks is just to invite people like yourself who've got both, and I think can you know bring it bring it to, to fruition. So I got a lot of things I want to talk to you about, right? Awesome. But, but first, can you just give a little bit of a background for people who don't know you? You know where you grew up and how you ended up in the NFL.
1: Yeah, uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon, to two immigrant parents. Uh, my father from Cameroon, Africa. My mom from Jamaica um and it was a great childhood uh here in portland oregon um then transferred from there leaving the the nest and went to the university of nebraska where i was fortunate enough to to receive a football scholarship uh and in my time at nebraska had many great days on the sports field but even better days in the classroom uh graduated with a degree in engineering uh, construction management to be specific uh and then Moved on from college and uh, was lucky enough to get drafted by the Detroit Lions. Um, was spent five years there uh, and then a nice stint uh, in Miami for a handful of years and then moved on uh, to a couple other teams and now most notably uh, down in Tampa, Tampa Bay uh, with the Buccaneers getting ready for our season this coming uh, year. So time has definitely flown by. Uh, I've been in the league for a decade. Uh, and so you yeah, have a couple uh, and-
0: a couple of new teammates, right? One of whom I spent some time with at Harvard. Actually, came up and uh, uh, taught a taught a course uh, with uh, Gronkowski and his brothers. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever expect that you'd be playing alongside Tom Brady and and Gronk?
1: <laughs> Definitely not. The last time me and Gronk were near each other was when we were getting drafted in 2010. Uh, right. and most of the, most of the time we were going against each other, him being a tight end, me being a defensive end or a defensive tackle, uh, and so. Never would have imagined, especially even now that he had retired recently, uh, that he'd come out of retirement and be playing and be one of my teammates. So uh, excited to to get to know him a little bit more uh, intimately as well as uh, Tom, because I'm usually going after Tom and making him run for his life. <laughs> awesome. So let's go
0: back <laughs> in time. I'm really curious. Uh, a lot of people out there, a lot of kids dream of being an NFL player, right?
1: Mm-hmm. When
0: did you first have the dream, and when did you first start seeing that you had something inside yourself to make it a reality?
1: Truthfully, I had no idea that I had the opportunity to make it to the NFL until probably about my right after my freshman year of uh, college. Uh, there was a guy named Adam Carriker uh, that ended up getting drafted to be the 13th overall pick um, in the I want to say the 08 draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had trained with him the whole time. Um, and lucky enough, he uh, kind of took me under his wing and I was like, I can do the same weights he does. I'm, I'm just one one. Uh, one little young freshman that's underneath him. And so once I started to realize that, uh, I said, all right, well, let me see if I can take some of his craft, uh, put it together. There's also another guy named Jay Moore who went, who got drafted a couple of rounds later after him in that same draft and said, all right, I have an opportunity to, to do just as good as them, but even not even better. So let me work on my craft over the next handful of years, uh, on the sports side of things while, uh, as well as taking care of school. Uh, cause my mom being a teacher, she wasn't going to by any means, let me, uh, slack on that side of things. Um, and so truthfully, just moved from there and, and understood I could I had the opportunity, got the letters, um, got the listing and said, all right, I could come out in 08. I mean, in, uh, yeah, the 09 draft, uh, but decided to go back and finish school uh, at my mom's request. Uh, and truthfully, I didn't want to come back after I had left. Uh, so just got it all done and then got drafted in 2010. So
0: you have an insane uh, legendary work ethic, not just generically speaking, but actually very particular about how you mm-hmm. treat your body, and I want to get into that because I think you have a lot to teach people. But nature versus nurture, yep. you know, were you born with this crazy work ethic or was it cultivated?
1: Uh, I think more, more more, more, than not, I was definitely born with it. Uh, I look at my parents, especially even my dad, uh, being at his age right now, um, and obviously my mom, she worked for for 30 plus years as a teacher, Uh, And and having a son and and a daughter that are very uh, successful in their careers, had the ability to retire at an earlier age, but they just didn't. They chose not to. Uh, They're just wired folks to just always be doing different things, moving around. Like I've got a meeting later on today with my dad that he set up like we got to go finish this and and get things handled. So uh, nonetheless, I think it was ingrained in me, but then also being able to have a great group of people around me to understand uh, how I could get better, what modalities from a sports perspective, and then also from a business perspective, who are the right people that have been successful and they've allowed me to to uh, be underneath, be underneath them and learn from them, and have the ability to say, all right, here, this is how I got to my success. You can learn from these things, but also you can put your own twist on it, and that's something I've always prided myself on: is being able to be uh, a little bit different uh, and not to be afraid to be different uh, from a perspective of the typical athlete that just. Kind of wakes up, eat and sleep sports where I like to wake up, knock out my workout, enjoy that peace and then transition into a, a normal day of life at eight, nine o'clock in the morning and, and go till seven, eight at night.
0: Well, that seems to be one of your hacks and I want to get into it, but uh, you live a very intentional life and you're <laughs> you. I believe that you've architected a life that works for you right? And yep. that you are not afraid to reject conventional wisdom. Like you do whatever you want. So I want to break up the world into two parts. I want to do, yeah. my, I want to do mine. Give me, uh, give us some of your body hacks, right? right?
1: Body. Yeah. Uh, getting up early in the morning, usually start about five, five 30, uh, in the gym, uh, with my performance director, uh, and, and teammates or training partners that I have now, uh, in the off season. Uh, and, Really, that's the craft of, of just going after it from a sports perspective, understanding all the different pieces that we need to do. He's got a great mind. Uh, and then obviously, I have physical therapy. Uh, everybody knows in the NFL, if you don't know, it's 100% risk rate of getting hurt. Um, so uh, finding different ways to, to maintain that health uh, and then be able to uh, combat it when when big injuries do happen because it's, nev- it's inevitable. Uh, and then uh, additionally, uh, I've been very, very blessed to have a chef, but also understanding nutrition. Uh, I think that's the big, biggest misconception with people, people not understanding that nutrition is one of the most uh, important things to being healthy, uh, in addition to getting to your success of where you want to from a sports perspective. It's not about just lifting the weights and doing all the runs and all those different pieces. You can do all those different things, but never have the ability to succeed because you just eat trash. And when you put trash in the body, what's going to come out trash. So uh, that's kind of a big thing that I've learned over my years. uh, And I'm very, very intentional about that. Uh, even so much that uh, my fiance uh, doesn't like me sometimes because I force us to eat that's super super clean. <laughs> what's, her, what's her
0: name? I didn't know you were engaged. What's her name?
1: Uh, Katya. Uh, we got engaged last last spring. Uh, oh, so congratulations. Uh, hopefully, jump the broom here in the, in the next couple of weeks once this uh, COVID lift gets gets taken care of. Good
0: for you, that's great. Congrats. That's more important than anything else. Finding, finding happiness and finding love. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, for sure. And what about um? What about the workout routine? I know you do some unconventional things in terms of working out, like throwing, you know, tires. <laughs> I <don't> yeah, know.
1: <laughs> yeah. From from a workout perspective, getting a, a little detailed into that, uh, a lot of things is, is, is being able to understand, and be able to move your body. So, um, yes, we do squats. Uh, I do a lot of things with kettlebells. Uh, being able to to be unstable and uncomfortable in certain positions because. Uh, when you're running and playing and tackling and hitting people you're not just square and comfortable and and in the best position. So you you put yourself in different planes um, to be able to be comfortable in those planes. And then I think one of the biggest things is people work on all these big muscles that everybody knows about the quads, the glutes, all these different pieces, biceps, triceps, but it's working on those smaller muscles that are around those, the stronger those are, the stronger those bigger muscles are. So um, those are the different pieces that now I've gotten to a more mature age and have been a well-rounded athlete Able to take care of kind of those pieces, working on those, finding those one percent, two percent that you, gains that you can you can grasp. I love that, and I, I
0: think the only way to get to those supporting muscles, right, is to be uncomfortable, right? Is to be is to go ahead and put yourself in positions where you're not stable and your body's not stable, right? What's a, so everyone's home right now, right? We're, not <laughs> all We're all working out. Give us give us a great workout that we can do that is that's the most uncomfortable thing, but with the greatest uh, yield with compounded movements.
1: Uh, I mean, truthfully, it's very, very tough. But I I would say, I mean, uh, being able to even a basic pull up, uh, being able to do that with bands uh, and and really squats, pulling the knees left and right, uh, having a band forcing you a different way. Uh, We took medicine balls earlier today uh, and and hugged them and turned and torqued and and made sure we were breathing and holding on to them uh, tightly just to work on our cores, uh, being in a, in a, in a torque position. So there's a lot of things you can be creative, especially at home. Uh, and I had to increase and cre- speed up the process of my home gym, uh, just because of everything that, uh, we're, we're all dealing with right now.
0: And what about, um, mind? How do you stay sharp? I know sleep's really important to you. What What, what are some of the ways you keep your, your mind focused and sharp?
1: Uh, truthfully, like you said, sleep is probably one of the most important things. Uh, I start to shut down my day probably around seven, eight o'clock Pacific, and then, uh, usually get eight hours. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, I think the most important thing is, what pushes me and everybody's a little bit differently is is using my mind in the world of business and being able to strive in those other aspects. So I can take care of my sports piece in the morning, but also get on a phone call with you or get on a phone call with a mentor of mine just to push my brain in a different aspect. And I think that's for me mentally what keeps me the sharpest is uh, even when I'm in season, I do those same, I practice those same things. Obviously, it's tapered down tremendously just because I have my, my main focus is football, but Tuesdays on our days off, uh, between meetings um, or on lunch breaks or after practices when we have an hour, hour and a half break, I'll take a couple phone calls just to learn. Uh, and I get articles sent to me all the time. Um, and one of the processes I'm doing right now is reading the Berkshire Hathaway um, annual report, uh, just seeing all the different tidbits that people can read. It's 144 pages, so there's a lot of reading to do. <laughs> <laughs> of
0: course, everyone would expect a, a tackle reading. The, the annual report of course actually i Brilliant. want to talk about that let's 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 get into it because yeah. i give this talk a lot with a simple premise which is if you really want to go places in life you want mm-hmm. to look what you're doing right now for the thing you yeah. want to do next like life is lived concurrently not sequentially and people yeah. make the mistake and i see athletes do it too i can i can do that another time i'll deal with my post nfl career when the nfl is over and I think that's a huge mistake. But athletes don't make that. We all you know, make that. You, I've never met somebody more intentional about their future in the current moment than you. So so take me back in time. I want you to share with everybody the Warren Buffett story because it's extraordinary.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's super basic and as simple as this. So I was fortunate enough to play at Nebraska. He went to the University of Nebraska as well. He was came down and was a, a guest captain of my senior year in 09 for the Oklahoma game. And uh, they asked me like probably like 20 minutes before the game, hey, do you want to meet Warren Buffett? Do you even know who he is? And I was like, of course I know who he is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I don't know everything that he does, but yeah. But I said, sure, like I'd love to meet him. Uh, So met him before the game, super nice. Uh, And then after that, uh, it probably been about six months or so uh, that had gone by the year uh, I'm training back in Nebraska, and then uh, a friend of mine um, said, you know what, I think you should just, you should reach out to Mr. Buffett and see if he would mentor you. And I was like, the only way I have a connection to him is, is through Coach Osborne. And I said, well, I mean, what what do I have to lose? So uh, I reached out to Coach Osborne and Coach Osborne said, um, he usually doesn't take meetings with folks, um, but I'll ask him to see if he, if he will. Uh, and he asked on my behalf and ever since then we got connected. Uh, I sat in his office for the first time that spring and 10, uh, for about two hours and we just talked, uh, I just asked him a million questions. And ever since then we've, we've remained super close, uh, and usually talk to him once or twice a quarter, um, and sometimes a little bit more, just depending on what I have going on and what his free time is.
0: You know, what I love about that story. How many times in life do one of us have a, we have a dream. And we mm-hmm. see something that in, in in the future that we think we're capable of, and we want to manifest it, but we actually take ourselves out of the game. You could have easily have said, "Warren Buffett doesn't have time for me," right? He's the richest person in the world. Some days he's the third richest, whatever. <laughs> you would have you would have selected yourself out of the game, yeah. but instead you you got you made the phone call, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? Is that something you learned? You thought like you, or is that the first time you took that kind of shot? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm fast because that to me is the moment of creation, right? When you're willing to. Put yourself out there and make that phone call. Yeah,
1: it's it's a cliche saying, but uh, there's no stupid question, uh, and I think there's no stupid request. uh, At the same time, and my mom always prided my uh, preached to me to say, don't be afraid to ask questions, uh, and don't be afraid to to strive for something that you want. And so I said, I mean, the worst thing he's gonna say is no, uh, and then I'm back to where I where I was previously. And fortunately enough, he said yes, and he hit it off. And actually later on, a couple meetings later, I actually asked him why he um, he wanted to, uh, why he took the call with me. He's like, I just had a feeling that you were a smart young man, that you were intelligent. And most guys in your shoes wouldn't ask. Uh, and, and truthfully, like, I wasn't wrong by that. And look, like, look at our relationship now. Uh, you've done everything I've asked you to do. You're on time. And like, for me, like, that's one thing that like people and a lot of my friends know is like I'm a very punctual person and uh I actually was really mad at my friend that was giving me a ride because I had just flown back in uh from out of town back into Omaha to meet with him and I got to the meeting an hour ahead of time and I was mad because I was it was I was only an hour ahead and I wanted to be like an hour and a half just waiting in his office like on his time and whatnot just just to value that man and whatnot. So to me, it was like, it was, it meant a lot.
0: So I'm sure you've been asked this before, but uh, we have to ask it. Um, Yeah. What what is the number one thing that he's taught you or the top three things that uh,
1: he left you with? Yeah, I would say the the biggest thing uh, that he's taught me was just being able to focus and understand uh, just the different metrics that he uses um, and, and keeping things simple. Uh, so it's not important. There's a lot of comples- complexities in, in different businesses and different things that he has. But you go back to simple basics and, and finding uh, things that I, I think are very important to understand. Like there's one particular company that we've talked about in the past. And he just said, like, if you really look at it, why is this going to be an important company? Why is it going to be something? Because people use it all the time and you have other major companies that need it and, and need to live by it. Um, and so. And and they obviously pay to be at the top of their uh, their search engine. So I think it's very important to, to to look at things from a very simplistic standpoint, but then see how they evolve to more com- complex areas. Okay.
0: So okay. So you meet Warren Buffett. What year is that? The first time? Uh, uh twenty ten, spring of right, twenty ten. right? So yeah. Fast forward. Just yep. you've Now assembled, uh, you know, a mini empire. That mm-hmm. transcends investments and real estate. Like you're doing a bunch. And what I find interesting is you're you're in you're in smart deals, right? Unfortunately, uh, I find uh you know, I always say your calls should be outbound, not inbound, especially when you're an athlete, right? Yeah. Don't just pick up the phone and say, Oh, financial advisor called me. I'm so flattered, you're interested in my money. Yeah. You know. You can get almost anybody on the phone. Maybe you can't get Warren Buffett, maybe that, you know, but you can get somebody at Goldman Sachs or you can get some of the best advisors in the country. The phone call should be outbound. You see a brand that you really love, try to yeah. go ahead and get to the CEO. And especially if you're an athlete, they're going to take the phone call, right? So, so I want to just walk me through a little bit of the investments that you get most excited about, like area by area, and how do you how do you choose? I know that's a lot to unpack, but.
1: Yeah, the, probably the, my first uh, silo and in, in interest in investments is from the real estate perspective. Uh, and, and people who don't really know, that's uh, an additive reason of why I chose Miami back in the day, uh, to be able to learn from a, a mastermind. Uh, of Mr. Ross. and in, in thought you were it. talking
0: about me. I was really flattered. I'm like,
1: I don't know crap about real estate. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're in there too, though. No no, because, <laughs> uh, but it, it's being able to 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 have that that opportunity to sit down with and learn from people from that perspective. So real estate is is, is a big part of mine and, and I've been able to be very close to some very strong minds, not only from a national perspective, but also from a a local perspective here in Portland, uh, which I'm I'm very bullish on. And I think the city that's gonna continue to grow and aspire obviously as we uh, move back to a normalcy. Uh, And then when I look at deals uh, from private equity or VC perspective, uh, it's like the KKRs and the General Atlantics and uh, Andreessen Horowitz that I like to, piggyback off of, uh, and, and first and foremost, what I did was learn from them first and foremost. I went and sat down in their offices and, and understood what they were looking at, went through their pitch meetings, uh, and saw all the different things that they were looking at, and, and some of them may not make sense for them uh, because they may be too small, and those are some of the ones that I can look at. And then additionally, like you said, having that outbound call to be able to walk through those deals with them, those people are willing to take the time uh, to sit there, down there uh, with me to have those conversations, say, these are why- the reasons why we pass on. it. it wasn't because it was a bad company, it was because it was just too small or it didn't fit our particular thesis or we're just too heavily weighted in that particular area. So um, regardless, that's kind of how I've looked at things. And then when I do have some inbound calls, because um, I think I have some good deal flow a lot of those inbound calls are coming from those, uh, from those particular groups. And that's where it's very trustworthy to be able to say, all right, they're saying this is an inbound call for a particular reason. And uh, they feel that, one, I can be a part of it because one, I can not only help uh, from, from different perspectives um, and, and then kind of go from there. And so that's where you are able to extract even more value uh, from yourself and be a part of a, a, an elite company.
0: Right. And I, I think it's such a good point. I make this point to athletes, but I think it applies to anybody out there. You can see somebody that you respect. Let's say they could be anywhere. They could be worth millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But yeah. you have to ask yourself with that particular investment, do they know what they're talking about? Or is this a hobby? You know, yeah. are they just risking play money because mm-hmm. they made their money elsewhere? Or is this where they make their money? And it's an important distinction. And I find if you go one level deep, you end up following people on a frolic and detour that can lead you to a very bad place. But if yeah. you then say, is this person an expert in this area? Then now you're talking, right? So what you did by going to the general Atlantics of the world Bill Ford is a you know legendary investor and whatnot, like that is the right way to do it. And I think um I give I tell people all the time, like, unless you spend all your day on it, like you can easily get hurt. If you want to commit the time to it, fine. But you you want to talk to you wanna create a network of people that are looking out for you that have mm-hmm. this kind of interest that 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 you do, which is exactly yeah. what you did with you know the the KKRs and so forth. So what 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 deals are you most interested in? Because now I'm going to turn it back on you for the rest of us. What 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 excites you? What companies out there that you're in? Uh,
1: there's one company that right right now that I'm really excited about called Judy. Already uh, said Judy. They're unfortunately uh, and fortunately they were focused on 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 preparedness for uh, disasters, whether it be hurricanes and. Um, just natural disasters that we have to deal with, and then obviously being able to transition to, to daily life of things, whether it's you're you're going to a soccer game and and you need to ha- uh, you're a mother that wants to have a kit, the first aid kit ready ready and prepared, and whatnot. And so obviously uh, that's an exciting company for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at it, an interesting deal um, called Super Coffee. Um, it's a coffee company with MTC oil, uh, which is kind of in my field. Uh, you talk about remaining sharp. Uh, it's it's one aspect of like MTC oil, all these different pieces that keep your brain fresh and ready to go, uh, right early in the morning. Uh, and,
0: is, it, is it a DTC business or, or is it a is it cafes? What what is it? Super Coffee. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, yeah DTC as well as B two B, and so I think they're they're in retail stores uh, across the country and continue to grow. Um, and so steadily looking at it right now. Uh, yeah. and, and getting uh, some of my advisors to take a look at it with me as well.
0: And how that's an that's an inbound call, so somebody flags that for you and says, "Hey, take a look at this. You might." Yeah. Be in and then you do your work. Correct. I know yeah. you don't have
1: to write checks like willy you know? <laughs> No, no, no. I, I'm I'm one of the last checks in, in a tech check to write. To uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold <laughs> your money. Yeah, what about, for what sure. About,
0: what about income, what about cash preservation? What? Where's your risk tolerance? Like, how do you allocate risk and preserving money for the future?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've always been very, very big on being cash heavy. Uh, and, and I think that even more in, importantly right now, it's it's a big thing to, to remain and, and be very cash heavy just because of where we're at. And then also being able to have uh, I think this is these are the times where people find a lot of opportunity. Um, and, and I think that's when you had the cliche saying cash is king uh, and it's in these times, these tough times where people are going to need some help uh, and be able to help them in a positive way, but also bring their business back and for you to be a part of it. And I think those are some of the pieces that I focus on uh, And allocation wise. I, I think you got to have uh, be conservative from, from an equity perspective, uh, obviously fixed income as well. Um, and then obviously for me personally, because I, I have a lot of faith and, and I, I think I have, Great guidance and partners in the real estate space. Uh, I'm pretty heavy in the real estate uh, game as well. So, um, uh, I, 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 I do believe that
0: everybody listening right now is going, "Wow, who am I listening to? Is this the man? <laughs> he worked for Warren Buffett? Like, uh, I'm very impressed." So now, at this point, you must have gotten hurt somewhere. I won't say what's how specifically you've gotten hurt, but what yeah. what did you learn that you didn't know, you know, in 2010? in the investment journey, anything,
1: you know? Oh yeah. And there's, there's no question. That I've made some mistakes and those are some of the things that I, I, I pride the most, myself. pride myself on the most from being able to not necessarily recover from, but, but understand how I got hurt and why I made why it was a mistake. And, and truthfully uh, you said it earlier, it was just comes down to management and the, and the person having being able to execute. And so, yes, I, I may be an investor uh, and, and I have the ability to, Uh, put the capital in, but I'm not going to be there on the day-to-day running the business. So you have to have somebody who is. Um, And so uh, speaking of kind of being in the media space and understand that space uh, from a perspective, uh, I I think my biggest mistake was a a company that I I looked at very similar to Uninterrupted. uh, And I think it was too early for its time. And uh, at that particular point in time, uh, it just, we decided as a group to to kind of shut it down just because the content was created, all the different things were done, but uh, just the execution wasn't there. And, uh, and, pouring, and, and pouring good money after bad money isn't always the smartest thing.
0: You know, so you just hit upon the number one thing I always tell people too, is that where I've made the biggest mistakes is when I thought that an idea was so great, it could overcome a weak jockey. Mm-hmm. and that never ever ever ha- a weak jockey a strong jockey can overcome a weak idea because yeah. the, a strong jockey will iterate until they figure out figure it out and one yeah. of the dangers i think sometimes you have if you draft behind somebody else's diligence mm-hmm. you're you're hoping and expecting that they did the same level of digging around the management team that you might have done on your own. And that's where I've gotten hurt. Like I, I like to go deep. I mean, I'm all about therapy and industrial psychologists. I mean, anybody who's done a deal with me can tell you, it depends on the level of scrutiny I've held you up to. But you know, I have a couple of industrial psychologists on our team that, that have been with me for years. And they'll sit down with you for three hours and tell you all your mom and dad issues and everything else. Because so, at the end of the day, the fish stinks at the head, right? And we all have things that get us stuck. So yeah. I would say, where people get hurt a lot and on the investment side is they don't do the diligence on the management team or the founder because they're so excited about the idea kind of yeah. like what you like, because you can't be there every day to, like you just said to run it.
1: Yeah. And, and, I, and I think an important piece is understanding like uh, I think sometimes it's good to have deal fatigue because if you had that deal fatigue and you're still excited about it, excited about it, you are going to, that means that you did the homework, you took the time and you're still excited about it. And you, that deal fatigue doesn't really hit, set in. You still have the excitement because everything that you saw is of true. And then you can obviously proceed and go from there.
0: That's a brilliant little nugget, by the way, that applies in relationships too. If you, time is your friend, <laughs> sit around, you're, you know, you've been dating for three, four years. You're like, yo, I don't know, we went through COVID. I still like you. Like it's kind of, same with the deal. That's a like really, now sometimes, Deal fatigue when caused by somebody who's just a pain in the ass to deal with could oh, be no question. Handle, but you'll know the difference, right? I, it's funny. You say, I'm for dealing sure. with something. I won't say who you are, but you know <laughs> I'm dealing with a deal right now. If you're watching, but I still love you, and I have the same thought. Like, That's interesting. You've been. This has been a pain, but I think for generally good, understandable reasons. And so yeah. I'm, I'm still staying in the deal. But that, that is that is a great point. Sometimes deal fatigue, if you can overcome, it shows that you really care about a deal. So. Tell me what life is like for you in five years, right? Where, where do you, or whatever you give me your, you don't have to tell me your time horizon, mm-hmm. but let's pick a number that you're comfortable with 10 years, because I know. Yeah.
1: You're let's, go ten, let's go 10 years because oh, 10 years. Uh, All right, i, think I 10. What are we doing in 10 years? 10 years. Uh, I'm on a handful of boards, uh, a board of companies, uh, maybe a couple of yours. Okay. Uh, and, no then, number, by the way. <laughs> and then. Um, after that, I, I, I'm running a real a real estate development company as well, uh, and I've probably got three kids and uh, hanging out in Portland and uh, bouncing around into Texas as well. Uh, so I, I think for me, on an easy basis, uh, it's surrounded around family, first and foremost, and then uh, the ability to, to remain on boards and keep my, my brain fresh uh, in addition Uh, there's there's a love of real estate so i'm always going to have a hand in that and and work on that day-to-day
0: by by the way i love too is it didn't take you less than a second to go ahead and articulate your answer it's a point of living an intentional life like you got to know where you're generally heading you don't have to have it all mapped out but you have to kind of know your north star and your general direction so you can map to it which you clearly have always had it how is your uh sister gum by the way i I always love how you are with your family how is she doing
1: She's great. Uh, she actually is here in Portland. So we've got to spend a lot more time with each other because of this whole COVID piece. So spending a lot of time with her, uh, just hanging out and uh, and enjoying uh, her time because she's usually busy in Detroit running around working and, and taking care of her business and her success that she has out there.
0: All right well I'm going to let you go back to work I want to tell you leave you with the following thought so one of the top 5 moments you know of my life was mm-hmm. when I got to sit down and go, and uh, and then go for a walk with a guy by the name of Warren Buffett right and yeah. <laughs> it was a magical moment because I was with my son you know at mm-hmm. a game and he got to spend time with him at one point Warren leave, uh, leans over and whispers something in in the air, and I go what'd you say to him and he goes I can't tell you he knows uh but I gave him a stock tip <laughs> I go to my son okay. you know what do he tell you? He's like, I don't know, dad. <laughs> it be, I have this incredible picture in my house with yeah. them together. That moment doesn't happen unless you make that first phone call. So number one, you've touched a lot of people in your life. Two, you've made an incredible impression with some of the most important people in finance and business with your work ethic. So my message to anybody out there watching, whether you're an athlete or anybody like, like do the work, you will stand out, you will be noticed and then you will be rewarded, right? Like these relationships you formed, including our relationship and everyone around will last a lifetime. So I'm so proud of you. And I think I hold you up as a model for other athletes. I'm really passionate about this topic. Like do not wait to start plotting your future, leverage your greatest asset right now, which is mostly anybody will take your phone call and they're gonna want to help you. They're gonna want to support you. So um, I hope you have an amazing year. I'm really proud of you, and uh, I look—I can't wait to see what you're going to do over the next several years.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And just to piggyback off of you, uh, I, I think it's always important to be able to to take advantage of the things that have been afforded to you. Uh, one, I think it's, an, it's important and it's something that people should always tr- try and do, but more importantly, as, as an athlete, uh, your star is always going to uh, fade out at some point in time, so just be able to create another star, uh, and that's always been my goal.
0: Yeah, your star is never going to (laughs) fade, but I hear your point. All right, have a great day, all right? Thanks for joining. No problem.
1: Thank you. All right.